Adcom presents the A-Game podcast, hosted by Jeff Culleton and Nadia Shiner. Today, we're talking about the role social media can play in strengthening a brand. Becky Brotherton, Director of Brand and Engagement at Rigid, joins us to share her firsthand experience in shaping what has become an essential and vibrant part of Rigid's overall media plan. User-generated content, influencers, sharing, posting, liking, it's all in today's episode of The A-Game. Welcome <laughs> to episode 69 of The A-Game. Is it really? I believe it is episode 69 of The A-Game. With us today, longtime friend, Becky Brotherton. Oh, thank you. So Becky, I mean, the title, there's, there's a lot of uh, words to go through here, but Director of Brand and Engagement. Yes. For both Rigid and Greenlee, which is an Emerson company. Yes, it is. Emerson has eight quadrillion companies that you guys own. Yes. You guys are the two coolest of those companies. I will not disagree with that. I, okay. I believe we're the coolest as well. I agree. And I think there's a lot of reasons to say you are the coolest. With me, as always, Nadia Shiner. Hello. Nadia, who now has just turned into a Swiss Army knife. What are uh, so sorry? PR brand positioning. Oh right. Creative. I, I do it all. Is there one particular thing that you check? Copywriting. Mm -hmm. Is there just any creative pursuit? Is something that you feel comfortable launching into now? Anything. Any. Wow. Mm -hmm. Golly. Wow. Swiss Army knife. I know. Swiss I like that. Army knife. Mm -hmm. She's really quite something. So today. And Jeff, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Jeff Culleton. I'm the president of Adcom, okay. but you already knew that because <laughs> this is our 69th episode. And my parents and my brother and the other people who live. No, we have, we have like 5,000 subscribers. So we got some, nice. some, some peeps on this. Nice. So the, you got some skin in the game. We got some skin in the game. It, it, this has always been neat for us because our market changes so fast. And the reason that we asked you to come in today is you guys have kind of a neat high-low in the marketing world. You've been very, very forward on some trends, especially in social, also in experiential. Um, but you're a hyper-traditional brand. So if you want to take two seconds and talk about what it is to be director of branding engagement for Rigid and Greenlee. Sure. Um, and, and what that entails for you. Sure. So thank you for the introduction, Becky Brotherton. Um, I'm close to eight years now already <clears throat> with uh, Rigid and uh, Greenlee, so two, two brands under the Emerson uh, umbrella, like you mentioned, and uh, it has been really rewarding. I always say, selfishly, I feel like I have one of the coolest positions in the company. Um, I, I do get to do from the outside looking in. I think a lot of the work that I do is fun. Yeah. Um, and add the word engagement in there. Um, it's kind of a mix of, uh, you know, you're doing the traditional, like you said, trade shows kind of things, but bringing that to life through events. So we do events. I know we're going to talk about it later, but like Rigid Experience, Greenly Experience, um, really connecting with our end users in meaningful ways. Um, that's where I stay laser focused on where can we where can we connect with them where it's meaningful, not just for them, but for our brand. Um, you have the traditional marketing work in there, obviously. You do like photography, videos, um, and then a lot of storytelling. How do we bring bring these stories and nuggets to life? And um, one in particular I'm going to talk about is, you know, the history we have with our brand. We're embarking on 100 years and uh, in 2023, which is amazing. So traditional, again, brand, but how do we take it to the next step? 
So in 2020. Before you, yeah. I'm, I'm actually here. You're not going too far at okay. all. I actually just want to explore for a second what you both meant when you say traditional brand. It doesn't just mean long standing. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, that's, wow, that's a really interesting question. So, the way I phrased it, I meant legacy. I meant long standing. Yeah. Like a, 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 not only a brand that has been around for a long time, but a brand that's product lasts a long time, which is so interesting because we live we live in a time of planned obsolescence. Like my iPhone's out of date. Fast just, fashion. Fast all fashion. That, like yeah. all this mm-hmm. stuff. And you you guys have a brand that has is generational. Very. It gets passed down. Yeah. And that creates a couple of interesting things. It creates some unbelievable attachment to the brand itself and the work that the brand provides for those families. But but it also creates this like desperate need for product innovation, I would think, because somebody buys X rigid or greenly product, they're going to have it forever. Yes. And so that that's yes. what I'm uh, that's what I meant by. Maybe maybe my nomenclature was a little no. Off, it's not it's not the wrong word at all. I'm just the you know we're here to talk about social media and influencers and you know um, moving in directions that companies might be not comfortable moving in. Um, mm-hmm. And you're sort of at the forefront of that. But what makes it maybe all the more interesting is the juxtaposition of doing that for a brand that you guys are calling traditional. It's not just that it's been around forever, sure. but what you make is of a particular ilk for a particular kind of person. So that's why I was hoping maybe if you explored a little more what you meant by traditional, is it that you mean more everyday? Traditionally, our brand, I I think two things. Our brand is traditional in the fact that it's it's a legacy brand. It's been around now for 99 years, almost 100, right? Um, It's also a lifestyle brand. I mean... Look online, something that we t- we post post about on social a lot, and you can Google it. But we get end users posting pictures of themselves with their rigid wrench tattoo, threaders. Um, you don't see that with other brands, and so our brand, even though it's it's um, tenured, it's still very relevant. And the fact that that's that's like a gold mine. Like so, from a brand perspective, our marketing team, our product team. Jeff, you make a good point. Like you, ha- we have to innovate. I mean, yeah. we have tools. We have done a lot of work these last six months on our hundred-year uh, celebratory messaging and videos, and it's amazing. Um, a lot of these end users that have said, "Hey, I have, I have a whole toolbox full of, of products. Come look at my uncle's shed and my uncle's shop." Our vans, they have products in there. We call them like the OGs, right? Yeah. Um, some of the tools from the 60s, 70s that they're still using every day. So, yes, we have to continue to pump innovation in our product because we have to sell product at the <laughs> end of the day. Our product is not a consumable, disposable product. So, um, life, you know, the, the warranty we have behind our product and people beat up our product. I mean, because they can, mm-hmm. um, it has the quality built into the brand. That's what people have come to expect from, from Rigid. So... And, and I think the, to me, the interesting piece, one of the most interesting pieces is you talk about innovation mm-hmm. because maybe people don't inherently think of it in legacy brands the same, is what you all have done with your social channels. Sure. And to me, you know, I, and I'm, I can be both very optimistic and very jaded about these things because it's one thing for us to produce these highly polished you know, pieces about the benefits of my thing sure. that I'm, I'm bringing to market. 
Right. But it's deeply self-serving. And so you all started a journey on, on publishing primarily user-generated content a handful of years ago, showing people using the end product of what you have. And there's a trustworthiness there that's really amazing. But how do you, in a 100-year-old company, a 99-and-change-year-old sure. yeah. company, start to move in the direction of feeling comfortable using user-generated content over that really <clears throat> polished stuff that most people sure. are? So I appreciate the question, and I, I still, <clears throat> excuse me, I still value both that polished content that comes from the brand. Obviously, we work a lot with your team with Adcom on understanding, okay, what are the true product differentiators? What are the, you know, we talk about messaging hierarchy. What's the most important from a brand to end user? Here's our, here's our top message, and that's what's going to make the, that full page ad, right? That's what's going to make that press release headline. Those are super important and crucial when we commercialize and launch a product, and still remain top of mind for us internally. And then I love when we do talk to editors and to media on those product launches, they really do gravitate to that. But there's th there was that barrier and, uh, you know, talking about user-generated content, which is super trendy right now. I mean, I mean, a lot of brands are jumping on board. If you're not, if you're not in it, another brand's gonna take your place. Sure. Um, but what user-generated content has been able to provide us is really that genuine, authentic connection from the brand to the end user. And letting them display their point of view, their perspective, and how they use that tool, how that tool has gotten them more jobs. Um, even like that lifestyle story that they're able to provide, how they have, you know, they're, they have three children now, and now they can, you know, the, dis the uh, disposable income they've been able to provide because of the tools. <clears throat> All that that I just said, those little nuggets of stories from the user-generated content, a brand will never be able to explain that. Totally. Um, and, I mean, and you could try, you but could it wouldn't try. feel the same. It's not as authentic. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me a, of an aged white paper or some <laughs> testimonials in which there's still, there's still there's a time a place and place. There's a place for it. Yeah. Yes, there's still a time and place. Um, but I will say, you know, I think especially in this, in this space, when you think of influencers and end-user-generated content, I think a lot of us think of, you know, the Procter & Gamble's or we think of uh, consumer brands and beauty, right? You don't think of the commercial industrial totally. tools, but we saw that. We saw that there was, we saw those people. Um, we had relationships with some of them mm -hmm. and we said, why not? It was something transparently internally we were all on board with and we were nimble. We said, hey, if it doesn't work, we'll stop, we'll pivot and we'll, we'll go back to maybe something that we're more comfortable with, which has been, you know, obviously the paid, the paid, right? Yeah. Um, when I look at when I look at what we've done with influencers and end user content, a lot of that is obviously earned and organic. Yeah. Um, so we we kind of dabbled in that in in 2016. We reskinned our brand. We did a all new um, brand uh, debut. So we we started the tagline built for those who know. And um, I think that really connects deep to our roots and our end users. You guys both said um, generational. Our brand is very generational. Um, you know, someone's grandpa, it's usually the grandpa has passed it on to their son or daughter and the son and daughter has then passed it on to their son and daughter. So you're like, we're in our third or fourth generation now of people getting the tool passed on to them, which a lot of brands like it can't say that they've done that. But in that there's so much storytelling, there's so much trust. And our brand is a lifestyle brand. Yeah. People wear the rigid brand on their sleeve and 
not just through apparel, but also, like I said, there's tattoos. So to tap into that dialogue and bring it to life has been remarkable for our brand. We have, you know, I love, back to my my position and, and being and in, in running the, the brand group, um, I live for brand stories. And there's a few examples I can give later, but um, bringing that to life and not just through a look at this full page ad that we paid for in, you know, Plumber Magazine, that's not necessarily what I, that to me is not necessarily a win. Finding the end user that can tell that story for us and guess what, showcase the product. Oh, and by the way, you know, they've been able to provide whatever for their family or put their kids through school. And even these stories where they give back to their local joint vocational school apprentice programs, that to me, it's like an ecosystem of how really this whole influencer and user generated content has worked really hard for our brands. Well, and this to me is one of the coolest things because, you know, we a lot of disposable influencers in, you know, pick your, your vertical. Tradespeople are storytellers. Yes. If you and, and whether anybody would have like naturally put that together, tradespeople are unbelievable storytellers and they love to share it. Mm-hmm. They love to say what, what was the most gnarly job? What's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And they you know they've lived it. I agree. They're they're huge storytellers. Something else that Rigid is really passionate about is the skilled trades gap, and because of their storytelling and because their enthusiasm behind the brand. Being able to bring that to life in our social channels and broadcast that to a larger net of people, we've noticed that um, like even some of the trade schools that we have relationships with, they have pushed some of their students to follow some of these end users just to learn firsthand. Um, you're, you're kind of in a odd way following these people on their job site all day and learning, you know, the highs, the lows, um, what, it, what it means to be you know, are you working on boilers all day? All day? Are you are you uh, doing something with the city muni- municipality work? Whatever it is, they're bringing those stories to life, and they do have they're, they're they are true storytellers. And I I will pick that all day long versus finding talent, training them what to say, and then having that broadcast on the bread. And to me, that is like the old marketing that I'm not a fan of. And um, bringing these these true authentic end users to to the limelight has been beneficial for our brand. I mean, there's a there's a certain, some people could say, oh, well, if we did marketing that way, you know, we're giving up control over, mm-hmm. in some ways, right? The creative process sure. and the messaging and the, but I mean, I feel like it's, you turn, you become less of a pure marketer and more of a curator, you yeah. know, of mm-hmm. like other people's art. Yeah. And picking and choosing what those that is has become a different way of constructing, you know, the campaign. Yeah, you do lose a little. You do lose some control, uh-huh. but I think in, in a good way. And I think uh, that's something that we've been mindful of that we haven't just completely divested in in PR, divested mm-hmm. in paid. But I would say it's a healthy mix of this authentic storytelling through end users with the mix of paid and and it's really been beneficial for us looking at all of our marketing efforts across multiple mediums and how they work and pulling back where they're not working and investing where they are but um the user generated content i mean even not just on social channels we've been able to pull that through even on um our email platforms Mm -hmm. that go out to roughly 300,000 people a month that have subscribed to our email 
um, also through our website, that traffic. And then we also send some of that content to our distributors. So, you know, people that are, these these distributors are selling product on behalf of Rigid, giving them some of those stories and tidbits have been effective as well. Yeah, no, thank you for reminding me that it's, it is a, it's a concerted effort. It's not just, you know, leaning it's, totally it's, on user-generated content. It's a big puzzle and something that has worked hard for us and we rely heavily on it is, um, you know, we we find these end users that have these stories. And one of the one of the better uh, examples, actually just coming out of Rigid Experience 2022, uh, John Snyder, uh, he's a, a big plumber out of Philly. And uh, a week after Rigid Experience, the uh, editor-in-chief of Plumber reached out to him and captured content uh, about him in, uh, in October. And it just came out in December's piece. So he's on the cover of the pub. He's got two spreads in the pub. It's in their e-newsletter. Whoa. It's on social. And as a marketer, my investment on that was nothing, yeah. right? What did I do? We built the connections. Our team built the connections. We knew that he was a huge rigid advocate. And we were able to connect him with somebody that could broadcast his message if I wanted to buy that front page ad, if I wanted to buy two spreads, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't Tens have, of thousands. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I was able to get that all through earned. And he's a hero. He's shown his dad, right? He's shown his family. So it's that whole program has worked really hard for us. Then now we're taking that content. We're baking it into social media. We're baking it into our pipeline email news series. It may even become a poster that we use at a, at a big industry event, right? And he, it's a testimonial that I didn't have to put the pieces and parts to. I had an editor that knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows his end users. He knows his readership. It has been beautiful. On, it's been a win-win. That's awesome. And then now, you know, John, even more than ever, is even a bigger Rigid fan. Because, hey, Rigid, you guys got me on the cover of the pub. My wife thinks it's the coolest thing ever. So it has been very effective. Um and I don't, I necessarily, I don't always put like every end user in front of the, the editor, but we definitely have those connections. And then the editors have been really good with us. Um, something that we've, we've really pushed hard with editors. Hey, rely on rigid for your, your stories that fall through. I mean, you know how it is. Um, a lot of our, or a lot of, a lot of brands are placing those front page ads or, or spreads dependent on a product launch. Yeah. And every, every brand faces this, but product launches get delayed, get pushed back or budget changes. So we have been like the relied upon source um, in many of these heavy B2B pubs. So when they come to us, we have a Rolodex of these end users. And it's also like we're able to kind of authorize them. So some of these end users are like, wow, like rigid. Are you sure you want me to be in this? Yeah, you're like, you're the blue check mark. You're the verification. Yeah. And because guess what? I don't always want our product manager interviewed because they're just, they're, you know, the end user wants to read from peers. When I am buying, when I'm buying something for my kids, like I want to hear what other parents have thought about it, right? Yeah. I mean, you think of ratings and reviews and the whole e-com, and I mean, I could talk about that too. That's a whole other world that we're investing in and leaning it on heavily. But people want uh, to know what people like themselves are buying and why the authenticity. And that's really where we've been able to take that user-generated content, the entire ecosystem, and plug and play between PR email, social. Um, it's, it's been a wild ride, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And like I said, we were early pioneers in this space, yeah. very heavy consumer driven. And we said, let's just try it out. And uh, some of the early adapters 
or early adopters of uh, social, we've been able to lean in heavily on them, elevate them. And because of that, they have been very good to us as well. Yeah, so, share the audiences. Share the audiences, yes. But it's it's remarkable. I mean, some of the growth, I, I think Eric Ani with Mechanical Hub is probably one of the best examples I have. Um, uh, some some of his team they came from bigger pubs like Contractor Publication. They left public. Con- they left Contractor. They started. They took a risk. They started Mechanical Hub, which also has a another extension called Plumbing Perspective. Um, they went heavy on social. They do like a YouTube series. They do Hub on the Road, and uh, we were one of the first to really sign with them um, from a media perspective. And, um, you know, they always say, we'll never forget, like, you guys took a chance on us. Yeah. And uh, now, fast forward, I mean, their following is greater than it's half huge. Ha- greater than half a million. Yeah. Um, and just their values and core and, like, what drives them. I love how they're doing a lot on the educational side with apprentice programs and stuff. So it, it aligns really well with Rigid and what we believe in. But those early relationships have been helpful, not just for them, but for also also for us. I just wonder if the... If the, so there are brands that would be, as you know, we alluded to, that feel that are scared to, mm-hmm. to go in the direction you did. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's because maybe you just lucked out in the sense that you, the product that you sell doesn't have to be perfect. It is actually, it's, it's better with wear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Versus some other brands that might need or want a, a more perfect, crisp, uh, fabricated kind of look to their marketing. Do you know what I mean? So I like almost like a medical, like I'm trying to think of uh, like a brand that might be, you know, something that may be more in like, like I'm sure some of the work that you for like Cleveland Clinic is going to be approached as a lot different. Okay. Or Kardashian related. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, you know, what are the, what would you say to a brand that was hesitant about, um, Showing their imperfections. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying is like, is it, is it, do you just fall into that lucky, you know, mm-hmm. nexus of, you know, yeah, we're so confident to show our imperfection, but that's because what we do is a messy, imperfect thing. Well, I will say we have done some brand workshops and we, we identify Rigid as a quiet, confident brand. So internally, the way that uh, we operate and kind of pitch ideas is, it's okay if we fail, yeah. but let's just make sure we have a, what is our backup plan? Let's be transparent. And so when we first started playing in this user-generated content world or influencer world, we said, if it doesn't work for us, we'll cool. pause, we'll stop, and we'll pivot. And that's like, I mean, everything, I think whatever you do in marketing, you really have to have that mentality, right? And also just everything that changes five years ago, I don't think that I would have thought that we'd be talking about this on a podcast, right? And who knows what we're going to be talking about in five years from now, right? Um, But I I, I do feel, and I I still feel strongly, if you are not in the space, somebody else will be, Um, especially with the younger generation. You think of like TikTok and YouTube and the way that um, search engine optimization is now, the way people search for content, um, you have to be... You have to be available. You have to be um, present, and people are not always going to your website and searching what they think they need. You need to tell them what they need. Mm-hmm. One of the one of these neat things it's and it it does affect your your particular vertical is we're starting to see search bifurcate into Google. Google is being used for 
things that are more in your wheelhouse, things that have complexity. Mm -hmm. um, how do I fix X drain or Y, or I'm looking for product specs. And then there is lifestyle, travel, um, some how-to search that's really deeply happening in Instagram and TikTok mm -hmm. because the user has already curated the people that they trust and they feel comfortable with and they wanna consume that content in video capacity versus as silly as this might sound to some, you know, Google makes me work a little bit harder for it. It makes me go through a series of ads. It makes me click and read and try and get down to something that I think is trusted and verified. Sure. And so we're starting to see how that user behavior is really changing. And what I think is interesting about that, because I want to get to rigid and greenly experience, sure. is there's these two sides of this user behavior spectrum. Now, there's this hyper, hyper digital scrolling, getting my content very, very easily. And, you know, we, we are all, all deeply inundated with that. But something that you, you, you all also pioneered was something that is starting to be really, really meaningful again, which is experiential. So having the physical experience, touching, being together in those specific and curated instances. Sure. And so a handful of years ago, you all started the rigid experience, which then turned into mimicking that with Greenlee as well. Yep. So talk about what rigid experience, talk about how rigid experience started. Okay. Because I love to see where it's at now sure. and how much that's completely blown out. Okay, so the rigid experience really started with, um, you know, we're, we're about to embark on our sixth rigid experience in, in 2023, which is crazy to think about. I love it. Um, I love that it's grown. Um, and we'll have our second Greenly experience in 2023, but um, it has grown quite a bit. So the very first one, uh, we only had three winners. So it was a, a contest that we opened up on Facebook. Now, this was, you know, really before we got heavy, heavily involved with uh, Instagram, but it was a Facebook contest. We had three winners and they could bring a guest. And the reason we started this contest is we had we have a, tr a training uh, program on site. We have a tool school, uh, our, tra our global training schoolhouse, which is uh, right next door to the headquarters. And a theme when people come in to train a lot of our distributors and users, we have a hard time getting them out of our plant. Yeah. <laughs> they love it. They yeah. love the smell of it. They yeah. love the noise. And as marketers, we're like, whoa, like we are sitting on something here. Like, why aren't we doing something like um, so we said, let's just try it. Um, so I want to say that was in 17. But it's a contest open to whom for Sure, what? it's a contest. You have to be, a, you can be an apprentice or you have to be an end user in HVAC, plumbing, contract, like, or contractor. So it's pretty loose, but you do have to be an end user and you don't have to necessarily use rigid tools, but you in, in the uh, contest entry forms, you do have to have a photo of yourself on the job site with a your favorite rigid tool. Cool. Um, so the first the first entry uh, we had we had over two thousand uh, entries <laughs> again like and then from a marketer like lead generation right yeah um, so we did some lead gen there but we had uh, we picked three winners and these it was based on criteria on their entry also questions like what do you do for the industry do you do training all those things that are important to our brand. Those three winners were able to bring a guest. Um, the first year, the one guy did bring his wife and the other two brought um, other end users. So we had a total of six people 
And the wife, uh, and a lot of times we see this in our industry, a lot of these plumbing um, companies are run, they're family run. Sure. And mm-hmm. so that's exactly, she was she was very active with the family business. So essentially we had like six customers. Um, we made a day, we made three days of it. The first day uh, we do a grand welcome where we pretty much have anywhere between 30 to 40 people outside of our headquarters. We kind of create this fun tunnel. Cool. Yes. That's awesome. So we celebrate the skill trades and that's something Something when we're when we're planning, we're like, is this necessary? Do we think we should do this? And uh, every little piece of these little details that I talk about, we have not stopped them because it has always come back either in a post survey or somebody's like, I cannot believe you guys did this for me because yeah. they're not used to the red carpet treatment. They don't get this. Yeah. Um, so it's really three days to celebrate you and the trade that you, the, the profession that you chose and let Rigid celebrate you and elevate you. So they come in, um, we do a, a grand welcome um, and a, a welcome to rigid um, presentation. So a lot of them already love and breathe rigid, but it's crazy to understand that they don't, they don't know like their rich history. They're like, oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't know you had, the, you know, I knew you made these kind of tools, but I didn't know you went that deep. Yeah. So we do a little bit of that. Uh, we do time in our lab. So this is like, obviously these people, these uh, guests have to sign NDAs because we are sharing information with them that's confidential. Again, if you're a diehard Rigid fan and you're now seeing stuff behind the scenes, how cool is that? Oh my God. Um, so it just keeps getting like, it's it's fun to watch our um, guests because like, oh my gosh, like right when they think it's gonna be cool, like it just gets cooler. So it's, it's cool to be part of, or it's, it's fun to be part of that process. In the plant, um, they get to see a lot of the tools being made. Um, you know, wow, my grandpa has one of those, you know, one of our 300s. Like I, that's when I started in the trade. I used to, this was, was in my shop. It's fun to see those, those stories and get those nuggets. But, um, in the plant, one thing that's always a showstopper is when they get to make their own heavy duty wrench. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, which is, I'm telling you is, so you would love this at one point. Then we have one around They're the like office p- somewhere. They're like pouring molten steel and they stuff actually, like that. They actually, they yeah. did a, a mashup. They did a collaboration with Supreme. Yes, so okay. you did. Yeah, oh, there is yeah. there is a Supreme rigid wrench around this office. You talk about where? You, She's gonna take yeah. it. I was gonna say it's in a lockbox. <laughs> you want to talk about like forward thinking mm-hmm. for a tools and trades brand? Yeah, that's pretty sick. Those those dropped and they were gone within minutes. Oh yeah, it's it's, a, it's amazing what Supreme can do. But talk about them authorizing a brand that was, you know. We we were good enough for them. They were good enough for us. It was a really fun collaboration. Yeah. That was a good one. When was that? That was Four. in twenty nine. I want to say it's twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. How many winners are you going to have in twenty twenty three February? Our plan is to have nine. Okay. And I'll talk a little bit like how it grew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we make the wrench, and you asked about them actually like doing the the molds and yeah. stuff. That is actually done in Uric, which is an Erie PA. A lot of our, our wrench components are all a 200-mile radius, but we we do the assembly in Elyria, Ohio. Okay. So the pieces of parts are made. there. Yeah, they're okay. not they're not actually, like, running the foundry. Okay. But um, that would take a whole nother. She, she's case. like, wait a second. They get to, they get to pour <laughs> molten <laughs> steel? <Yeah. laughs> maybe, maybe we should add that in the next mm-hmm. experience, but... So yeah, and then we spend time over at our at our global training center with our training team, and they do a lot of hands-on. And then we spend a lot of time with um, 
what's next. So, hey, this we're 18 months out on this product. We're 12 months out on this product. And that's when we, like, you know, it's a win-win. Like, we're getting feedback from these end users on what can make us better. And we, we task them. Uh, Craig Sumner, our president, that's the first thing in the opening. Challenge our team. Challenge us. That's why you're here. Give us the hard questions. And that's what they do. They give us the hard questions, and um, it makes for great discussion, great roundtables. Awesome. And um, so it's it's a lot of dialogue um, back and forth. And it's so fun because these groups have kind of turned into, like, this brotherhood, sisterhood group. Like, we kind of call them, like, the class of, you know, 2022, 2019. And they grow together. And they have this, like, bond that is just – it's unreal to watch from a from something that we kind of said, let's just pilot it and see if it works. It has been amazing. Um, it's it's really hard to say bye in that last day. We always joke around that I think we say like 20 rounds of goodbyes because <laughs> nobody wants to leave. Sure. Um, and then we even get like, you know, they'll go live in the airport of, of their last hugs and stuff. But it is, it's, it's a fun, jam-packed three days. Um, how it's kind of evolved is instead of having it fully a contest, because we did want some of the influencers in there, we have. I was just about to ask: Are yeah. you choosing people who are who have certain following, you know, minimum? Yeah, and I don't, I don't even know if I want to say it's like following minimum because some of them have low following, and like, and there's like the micro followers or micro influencers, and there's the nano influencers, that, which are big impact, um, and and I don't want to lose sight on them, but also people that have may have some clout in the industry. Yeah. Um, so maybe they've been, you know, active with a publication or they did something with PHCC, a guest speaker. Um, there's all kind of all kinds of ways that we kind of identify guests. So there's guest and then there's con- a contest. Um, so like this past year, for example, we had nine, nine guests out of the nine guests. Three were handpicked um like influencers. Okay. So it is a good mix. Um, and, it, and you know, that way it does drive a little bit more value from us from a brand play, which think. is, you know, completely totally. fine. And we're transparent about it. Nadia, you mentioned before, like this intersection of things. We see a lot of people try and manufacture, no pun intended, this kind of following. Yeah. And you can't. You just can't. You guys, you guys have a cross-section of product quality, innovation, and then this brand storytelling, which some brands have and never, never capitalize on. Right. And the innovation of doing that, especially all the way back to 2016, sure. when this wasn't as apparent to other people, mm-hmm. this is a, you know, th- this is a really interesting thing. And so, I mean, you know, from brand net new experiential to UGC to being on the early cusp of, influencers in a really meaningful way that I mean that's why you guys get to reap the multiplier effect from it is because it's authentic it is you are not I was gonna I'm all punny right now I was gonna say fabricate go for it you can't fabricate um you really can't you can't make it up right because especially with an audience that is as detailed and in it as your audience is they smell bullshit Yes. Like that. Yes. And they are gone. It's one of the things we love about doing this show is you just you get to highlight some of those brand innovations uh, and innovative brands that are pushing things forward that don't necessarily get that kind of recognition, that kind of uh, 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 that kind of limelight outside of specific niches. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you right there because <laughs> we've covered a lot in the last half an hour. You said it all. You said you said it all. <laughs> Becky, thank you so much, Becky Brotherton, the uh, director of brand and engagement from Rigid and Greenlee. Thank you. Thank you for coming by. Yes, thank you for Nadia and myself. You can always find anywhere you you uh, you get your podcasts. Um, we are hosted on SoundCloud. Please go and download us. This will be on all of our normal social channels. Um, and we can't wait to do it again. So, Becky, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was Absolutely. fun. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The A-Game, an AdCom production. AdCom is a marketing partner in Cleveland, Ohio, creating measurable returns for our clients. Like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and find us on your favorite social networks. <laughs>